Welcome to Kevin Connor's podcast. This series is on the church and spiritual warfare. During this series, Kevin Connor's best-selling book, The Church in the New Testament, is available at 50% off as an immediate PDF download from kevinconnor.org. Select monthly special. Let's open our Bibles this morning and we'll just stick to this mic and be very, very good. Uh, Let's open our Bibles to Revelation chapter 5. Let's uh, just have a brief word of prayer as we share the word. Father, we just thank you for the sense of your presence amongst us this morning in our time of worship, singing and praise to you, Lord, and around communion, just receiving new members into the body here. Now we pray, Father, as we just share together in your word that your blessed Holy Spirit will touch our hearts, touch our lips, touch our minds, touch our ears, touch our spirits that we may be responsive to the word that we uh, share this morning. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said amen. Amen. All right, Revelation chapter 5. I want to pick up uh, uh, what we started on several weeks back on the church and spiritual warfare. And actually what I want to finish on this morning, we were supposed to do the three Sundays in one service and we're having to condense our time of preaching and teaching Sunday morning with the extra services. Uh, we're just finishing the first part this morning. And then, of course, having visiting ministry. How many enjoyed uh, the word last Sunday on tithes and offerings? Hands up. Just hands up again. Just keep your hands up. I want to see all those who haven't got their hands up. <laughs> Boy, there's a big... What's that? Oh, you would can Oh, okay, you're excused. Phew. You were saved by the gong then, okay. All right, you need to pick up the tape. It was an excellent word. All right, so Revelation chapter 5, and we'll pick up in verse uh, 6 through to the close of the chapter, and then we'll have to move pretty fast here. And I beheld in love... Did I say verse 5? Or 6, verse 6. All right, and I beheld and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps, and golden vials full of odors, or literally bowls full of incense, uh, which are the prayers of saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the living creatures and the elders, And the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb for ever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the twenty-four elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. 
May the Lord bless his word to our hearts. Everybody said amen. amen. Still uh, struggling with my voice a little bit. Oh, I'm feeling much better physically. I'm happily married. <laughs> Just for those who are asking questions to Reen, are you happy? <laughs> are you really happy? And my son asked me, Dad, are you happy? Are you really happy? One of her relatives phoned up yesterday and said, have you had an argument yet? <laughs> and she said, no, I, I don't think he believed her, you know. We were just so sanctified and mature. <laughs> I better get on my message. Here. People want to know, how did this miracle happen? We'll tell you about it one day. Was it a quick work God did? Yes. <laughs> Let's get back to our message. What's in that time? All right, uh, several weeks back we started on our series and we will be continuing it in spite of visiting ministry. We just have to pick it up where we can and hope that you remember what we're sharing. We started on our series together, The Church and Spiritual Warfare. And uh, in the uh, two tapes that we've done so far, and if you have not been here, we'd like to encourage you to either buy a tape or get a loan of the tape there. We saw how it was possible to sing about war, but do we really understand what the war is all about? Who the real enemy is? Who are our real enemies? And we asked the question, are we being overcomers in the war or are we being overcome? Are we winners or losers, vict uh, victorious or defeated? And... Uh, we went through, as we saw in the church here, that we sing a lot of songs about warfare. We sing a lot of songs about worship. And that uh, the, the two of the master themes in the book of Revelation are on worship and on warfare. We went through a number of scriptures on warfare in the book of Revelation and also a number of scriptures on worship in the book of Revelation, the seven worship scenes in the book of Revelation. Now... Just to make sure that we are all flowing together, we picked out David, who was both a, a warrior and a worshipper, a warrior and a worshipper. So just to make sure that we're all flowing together, how many do believe that we're in a time of spiritual warfare? Is the answer yes or no? Yes. Everybody said yes? yes. All right, we're in a time of spiritual warfare, so we're all assured of that. And how many also believe that the Lord wants us to be involved in spiritual worship? Yes or no? Yes. The answer is yes. A greater yes? Yes. Okay, that's bad. I'm slightly deaf in one ear and I can't hear out the other. Yes. Yes. Okay. All right, spiritual warfare and spiritual worship. Now, back to Revelation chapter 5 in case you've closed your Bible. Now I want to challenge you this morning, it may not sort of be a jumping up down and uh, down, a jumping up and down type of message, I want to challenge you because my concern is this, that before we get into some of the heavy duty stuff on the enemies, on our warfare and so forth, that we can sing about war, we can talk about warfare, we can even be involved in warfare and be defeated because what I want to finish on this morning in our, our first part of our series is because the foundation isn't properly laid in our life and the foundation that we're talking about, the relationship to the throne of God and to the Lamb, which is all foundational. So I want to talk about that this morning. Now, in the uh, passage I've read you, remember the whole scene that we're looking at here. We have God the Father in the throne 
Then we have the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God before the throne. And then round about the throne we have four living creatures, translated beasts, four living creatures, a better translation. And then we have the 24 elders. Now, as you look at this scene here, we find that the elders... Uh, and, and this is a challenge to us as elders, it's always a challenge to me, myself as a senior elder here, but it's a challenge to elders, a challenge to us all as a body, but the, the elders are mentioned actually about 12 times in the book of Revelation, and every time that the 24 elders are seen, it's always in relationship to the throne of God and to the Lamb. So that's a very key important uh, key thought there of eldership or leadership, relationship to the throne of God and to the Lamb. And so we have about 12 references to elders in the book of Revelation. But as a whole, the eldership represent the church. They represent the body of Christ, represent the redeemed. And we see that in verse 9 when we're told that they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for you were slain and you've redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. So there's more than 24 tongues, kindreds uh, and people, crew, uh, groups and nations. So the elders are singing a rep representative song. You've redeemed us to God by your blood out of every kindred every tongue and every people and every nation. Now, as we look at the elders here, as they fall down, the four living creatures and the 24 elders, and as they fall down before the, the throne of God and the Lamb, they have two articles in their hand. And I want you to notice that in verse 8 because we want to talk about them uh, each here. So when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them, what? What's the first thing they had in their hand? Harps. Everybody say harps. Okay. The 24 elders had harps, and then number two, what did they have? Golden vials full of odors, or a better translation is, golden bowls full of incense. So they have two things in their hands, harps and incense. Everybody say harps. Everybody say incense. Okay, I want to comment about those two things because though the scene is actual here, and I might say this about the elders, sometimes people say to me, Kevin, uh, is it actual 24 elders, a literal actual number, or is it a symbolic or representative number? The answer is both. Can't digress on this, but they are actually 24 elders, two lots of 12s, uh, 24 elders, 12 apostles of the early church, 12 apostles, I believe, of the last day church, 24 elders, and we won't take time to endeavor to prove that, but I believe it's an actual literal number, but also a representative symbolic number because they represent the redeemed out of every kindred, tongue, tribe, and nation, and people groups. Okay, so elders there. Now, they have these two things in their hands, harps and incense. Now, because of our limited time this morning, I'm just going to give you some references. I'd like you to uh, take them down and be challenged with what I'm sharing this morning. Okay, the first thing about the harp is, though I believe uh, it's, a, it's a symbolic yet uh, actual thing in heaven, the heavenly scene here, the harp is the harp of David and it's symbolic of worship and of praise to God. So the harp 
The harp of David, uh, as David was a worshipper, is symbolic of worship and praise to God. Of course, we know that the harp is a musical instrument, and the significant thing here is the harp is a, a uh, musical instrument from the tabernacle of David, the harp of David. Now, 1 Samuel chapter 10 and verse 5, I'm just giving you references here. I've just got to finish uh, this introduction here. 1 Samuel chapter 10, 5. We find in that chapter that the prophet Samuel, who had a number of schools of the prophets uh, in Bethel and different places there, uh, in the schools of the prophets, they, uh, uh, it's quite evident the seed of the tabernacle of David was seeded in the prophet Samuel. And we find that the uh, company of prophets were coming from the school of prophets and they had a psaltery and a tablet and a pipe and a harp. They had these musical instruments. And uh, Samuel said to Saul, who was being anointed as the first king, uh, as you go up the hill there, you're going to find a company of prophets uh, coming from the school of prophets there. And uh, you'll come under the prophetic afflatus there. You will begin to prophesy. The Spirit of God will come upon you and you will prophesy. And we find that yeah, a study of the schools of the prophets, that Samuel particularly, who established these, they would uh, have these musical instruments and learn to worship the Lord. And as they worshiped the Lord, there was a release of the prophetic spirit. So the psaltery, the tablets, the pipes and the harps, just the ministry of music released the prophetic spirit. How many appreciate the ministry of music? Released the prophetic spirit amongst us, and that was a real key. I want you to turn over to this scripture at least, First uh, Samuel, of First uh, Chronicles chapter 25, First Chronicles 25. And for those of you taking references, uh, you can put down also 1 Samuel 16. 1 Samuel 16, but we'll look at the 1 Chronicles 25 uh, passage here. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, uh, King Saul in due time lost the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And we're told that the Spirit of the Lord departed from King Saul and an evil spirit was permitted to trouble him. So an evil spirit. And so when this evil spirit would come upon King Saul, uh, he would get wild and angry and uh, just get out of control and throw javelins around. And so uh, what did they do? They said, we need to find someone who is a skillful musician, one who can play the harp well. And so they found David, the shepherd, boy who was a worshipper so they went and got David brought him into Saul's court and whenever the evil spirit from the Lord was permitted to trouble King Saul uh, David began to play his harp what sort of music do you think David was playing heavy metal <laughs> acid rock punk rock heavy duty stuff what sort of music do you think David was playing on the harp worship because you see, this guy's troubled by an evil spirit. And as David began to play the harp and worship the Lord there. And one thing I liked about David, because, because uh, Saul would start throwing javelins, David would watch and play. <laughs> He'd watch one eye and play with the other because, you know, when he saw the javelin, it says, uh, I get me out, not once but twice. Well, if I had have been playing the harp, and saw a few javelins coming, I would have got me out. Wouldn't you? Real quick. Armageddon. Armageddon out of the place, you know. Real quick. And so as David would play the harp, 
uh, and worship the Lord, uh, the evil spirit would be driven away from Saul. You see, there's power behind music. And how many believe if that happened way back there, that when we worship the Lord and praise the Lord, evil spirits can be driven away by the power of true worship. But see, evil spirits are attracted by heavy metal and all that type of music. See, spirits are attracted to music. They're either attracted to it or driven away by it. So David played the harp. Now, 1 Chronicles chapter 5, come to the whole uh, time when David has set up the tabernacle of David. They're preparing for the temple of the Lord. And in verse 1 we're told, Moreover, David and the captains of the host separated to the service of the sons of Asaph and Heman and Jeduthun, who should prophesy with harps and with psalteries and with cymbals and the number of the workmen according to their service. Then we have of the sons of Asaph, these particular names, under the hands of Asaph, which prophesied according to the order of the king. Then in verse 3, of Jeduthun, then we have all those names, under the hands of their father Jeduthun, who prophesied with a harp to give thanks and to praise the Lord. Verse 4, of Heman. And uh, verse 5, all these were the sons of Heman, the kings, uh, see you in the words of God, uh, to lift up the horn. And then uh, we go down to verse 6. All these were under the hands of their father for song. And, uh, you know, I like to see Marilyn conduct with her hands and Mark or who's ever leading orchestra or songs. And if we have a good old hymn, I like to conduct with my hands. They were under the hands of their father for song in the house of the Lord with cymbals, psalteries and harps for the service of the house of God according to the king's order to Asaph, Jeduthun and Heman. And so the number of them with their brethren that were instructed in the songs of the Lord. Now we don't have too much time for songs of the Lord with all full services and shorter service, but instructed in the songs of the Lord, even all that were cunning were two by 144. That's 288 and 288 is 2 by 144. Think of the 144,000 in the book of Revelation with harps all from Tabernacle of David. So they were, the, the, the prophetic spirit was released. Prophesy with the harp. The prophetic spirit. David says in Psalm 33 and verse 22 uh, and 3, Praise the Lord with the harp, with psaltery, an instrument of ten strings. And when he says instrument of ten strings, he isn't talking about our hands, our ten fingers. Okay? But praise the Lord with a harp, with psaltery, an instrument of ten strings. Sing unto him a new song. Play skillfully with a loud noise. So over and over again in the Psalms, David's talking about praising the Lord with the harp, worshipping the Lord with the harp, and the prophetic spirit being released with the harp. We find the same thing throughout the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 5, which I've read to you. Uh, the 24 elders had harps, and they sung unto the Lord a new song. Revelation chapter 14, uh, the 144,000 on Mount Zion, they had harps and they sang unto the Lord a new song. So uh, the harp is the symbol of worship. It's a musical instrument, symbol of worship and praise. Uh, just in the tabernacle of David, there was just constant music, constant joy, constant worship and praise to the Lord. And the, the order that was established in the tabernacle of David was taken into the temple of Solomon. And so uh, uh, the music and worship is related to the release of the prophetic word in our midst. So I want you to turn over to a couple of very important psalms. 
because the challenge I want to give you on this part here is are you a worshipper? Do you have your harp? Are you harping on your harp? Is your heart in tune with the Lord? Psalm 137 is a very challenging psalm because up in Jerusalem and in Zion and in the tabernacle of David there was always that spirit of worship, musical instruments, the choir, tabernacle of David, choir, and just worshipping the Lord. Actually we, we, we gather from the scripture that this was going on 24 hours a day. So in Psalm 37 we have a complete contrast uh, about the harp. Here the people of God have been taken captive from Jerusalem and they're now in Babylon, in Babylon captivity. And instead of being in Zion, worshipping the Lord with the harp and thanking the Lord, uh, what happens to their harp? Listen to Psalm 137. By the rivers of Babylon. And what does Babylon mean? What does Babylon mean? It means confusion. And it doesn't matter whether it's religious confusion, spiritual confusion, political confusion. We are living in a Babylonian society today and that there's a confusion, a spirit of confusion on our nation, on the leaders of our nation. That's why we need to be praying for them. Just a spirit of confusion. And that gets into the church. It gets into our hearts because we allow the world to squeeze us into its mould. And so by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. Zion was where the tabernacle of David was, where the instruments and the worship was. And what did they do with their harps? We hanged our harps upon the willow tree, willows in the midst thereof. Uh, very interesting about the willow. Uh, what do we refer to that tree as? The weeping willow. It's a, it's a symbolic of sadness and sorrow and mourning, the weeping willow. In fact, uh, David gave me this morning after I shared this word in the first service that the botanic, uh, botani botanical name of the weeping willow is Salix Babylonica. Isn't that interesting? The weeping willow, the botanical name is Salix Babylonica. And here they were in Babylon, and instead of playing their harps when they remembered Zion, they wept. So they hung their harps on the willow tree. Uh, and, and look what verse 3 says. For there they that carried us away captive, so they're in Babylonian captivity. And if you are in captivity, you are spiritual captive. We can be spiritual captives in a, a just confusion. There they that carried us away captive required of us a song. And they that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, Why don't you sing us one of the songs of Zion? I remember when I worked at a secular job, and I used to be in the Salvation Army then, playing the band and so forth, and uh, they would offer me, you know, worked amongst a cursing, swearing bunch, filthy mouth, uh, told filthy jokes and when they try to tell me filthy jokes I just tell them my ear is not your trash can to pour all your filth in <laughs> my Jewish boss a, a Russian Jew he actually got saved in self-defense but uh, they would say to me oh, come on Salvo you're the Salvation Army General Connor why just sing us one of the songs of the Salvos well, I wouldn't because I mean that was babbling confusion smoking Burning incense to Baal and drunken lot? Well, you know, here it is. Sing us one of the songs of Zion. But what was their response? How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? 
And you know, if you're living in a strange land individually, personally, there's no song of the Lord, there's no spontaneous praise, there's no release of worship if you're in Babylonian captivity. And see, we can be in our own little Babylon. You know that? We can be in our own little Babylon. We just babble on and babble on and babble on. You know, just, uh, just confusion. How many understand what I'm saying? But look what happens in Psalm 126. Lord, stop that clock up there in Jesus' name. Stop. <laughs> anyway, I put it on. It's five minutes fast. Good. Uh, Psalm, that was for the others, not for me. Psalm 126. Look what happens when you come out of Babylon. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion. Hallelujah. What we were like, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with what? Laughter. Not weeping now, but laughter. And our tongue with what? Singing. Then said they among the heathen, The Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are mad. Sad. No, glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. So in Psalm 137, it's Babylonian captivity. You can't sing the Lord's song in a strange land. Uh, you're in confusion. You've got your harp on the willow tree. You're weeping, but coming out of captivity, the Lord turns your captivity. Your mouth is filled with laughter. Your tongue with singing. There's a release of a song of praise, exalting God this morning. Can you say amen? So my challenge to you on that part is... Where's your harp? Is it hanging on a willow tree? Are you in Babylonian captivity? Are, we, are you in areas of confusion? The 24 elders had a harp and they were worshipping the Lord. Okay, let's go back to Revelation 5. I'm going to take extra five minutes here this morning. That clock's five minutes fast. I'm going to take extra five. The second thing that they had, I want you to note is, and challenge here is, they had bowls, vials full of odors, or better translation, bowls full of incense. Now, just as the harp comes from the tabernacle of David, the, the bowl of incense comes from the tabernacle of Moses. So the tabernacle of David and the tabernacle of Moses are brought together here in these two articles. And uh, for those of you taking down references, put down Exodus chapter 30, verses 1 to 10. And also verses 34 to 38. So Exodus chapter 30, verses 1 to 10, and uh, also verses 34 to 38. In that chapter we have the, the uh, instructions concerning the golden altar of incense. Exodus 30, 1 to 10, the golden altar of incense. And in verses 34 to 38 we have the five ingredients of the incense itself. And so the altar of incense... And then the incense. And so the 24 elders here, and as I said, it's a challenge to us as elders, to myself, and to the congregation, because the elders represent the church uh, connected to the throne of God and the Lamb. And so the elders not only had the harp, the instrument of worship, but the incense uh, representing praise, uh, I'm sorry, representing prayer. The harp is praise, the incense is prayer and intercession. And I want to challenge you this morning. No use talking about going out there into warfare, singing about songs involved in warfare, uh, when you're not connected to the throne. What I'm saying here is foundational. Because if we're not connected and uh, don't have a good relationship to uh, the throne of God and the Lamb, 
and we're worshippers, praisers and prayers, we're not going to win out there. And many come defeated out there and say, wow, well, I say, in counselling, often I talk to people in counselling and say, what about your prayer life? Are you praying? Well, I'm just too busy praying, I've got to get up in the morning, get the wife out of bed, get the kids off to school and just everything, get to work and that. I work overtime, 101 things. And our own personal prayer life. One challenge you always about our corporate prayer here. I notice that the prayer room has gone right, way down and we need to discipline ourselves. I have to discipline myself. At 65, you can do it when you're just young. And let's be in the prayer room, our corporate prayer, prayer life. Amen? amen? Very weak, amen. Amen? The amen, amen. costs you to be in there. Okay? Not yakking out here. It's time for fellowship, but time to pray. In the book of Acts, what about individually, your own prayer life? We're going to be pretty heavy on some of the stuff when we get into who our real enemies are, what are we doing about it, why so many defeated Christians. Book of Acts continued, uh, the, the word prayer is mentioned in at least 17 chapters. They continue with one accord in prayer and supplication. Uh, when they replaced Judas, they prayed and said, Lord, you know. On the day of Pentecost, when they were added to the church, they continued in fellowship, in breaking of bread and prayers. Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer. Uh, uh, when they were released out of prison, they prayed. And the place was shaken and everybody was filled with the Holy Spirit. The apostles said we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Right through the book of Acts, there was prayer. So my challenge to you, the saints, this morning, before we talk about warfare and tackling our enemies and singing these great songs and our prince of powers and powers, everything like that, what's our relationship to the throne? Have we got our harp? Are we a worshipper? Are we a praiser? Do we have that spontaneous song in our heart? What about our incense? No use having the harp without incense. No use having incense without the harp. Both go together, like the two wings on a bird. So what about your own personal prayer life? David, who we're looking at, was a praiser, a worshipper, and a prayer. It's interesting to go through the Psalms of David, many Psalms on worship, many Psalms of praise, but also many Psalms on prayer and intercession, often in the title, a Psalm of David, a prayer of David, or a Psalm of worship, or a Psalm of praise. Some uh, denominations burn literal incense in the building, but I wonder how much true and spiritual incense ascends to the Lord. Let's go back to Revelation chapter 5 for our last couple of moments. So my challenge to you is, are you a worshipper, really worshipper? Are you a prayer, an intercessor? Because it's possible to go through all the externals, especially in a church like Waverly, the externals of lifting up our hands, clapping hands, singing the songs. We can go through all that external things, but not worship in our spirit. Okay? We just change one form of service and form of worship to another. But the Father's looking for those who will worship him how? In spirit and in truth. I can do it on the platform. I can just stand up here and lift up my hands and sing and clap hands and everything like that. But am I just doing it externally? Or is I, am I really doing it from my spirit? The Father's looking for those who worship in spirit and in truth, in reality. That's always the challenge. Okay, the last thing I want to share with you, and then I want to put a diagram on the overhead as we finish here. In verse 10, after they had their harps, 
the instrument of worship from the tabernacle of David, and the incense, the article from the tabernacle of Moses, they said, and they sang the new song, Thou hast made us unto our God, what? Kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Now David was a king. And David also touched priesthood. But again we bring together two things here. Kings from the tribe of Judah. Kings were warriors, supposed to be. And priests from the tribe of Levi. So kings from the tabernacle of David, priests from the tabernacle of Moses, kings from the tribe of Judah, priests from the tribe of Levi. Both are brought together here. Thou hast made us unto our God kings and priests. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 6. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 6. John is saying unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Let's look at this diagram as we finish our time here together. We've been talking about worshippers and warriors. David was first a worshipper, then a warrior. And as I finish on my notes here, let me just find what I want to say here. This was David's secret. He was first a worshipper, then a warrior. Worship precedes warfare. Warfare follows worship. If we're weak in worship and weak in prayer, we don't have the harp and the incense, we'll be weak in warfare. If we're strong in worship and prayer, we'll be strong in warfare. Can you say amen this morning? Worship is towards the Lord, warfare towards the enemy. Many times Christians are defeated in warfare because they're not worshippers, they're not prayers. They have the, may have the harp but not the incense, or have the incense, not the harp, both. Elders had harps and incense. Uh, so my challenge this morning is, do you have your harp? Is your heart in tune? See, this piano, if we pulled it to pieces and stood it up, is just really a big harp. In fact, the uh, Amplified says that the elders had uh, guitars, the harps, guitars. Someone challenged me on that once till I went and re read it. Now, I don't mind guitars. I'm not sure about bagpipes. How many like bagpipes? Well, I have to be careful what I was going to say. <laughs> My daughter just loved bagpipes. She would do the little scotchy dance when she was young. Got it from her mother. I shouldn't say this about bagpipes because I don't want to be offensive, but it's a bit piggish. But bagpipes, when I hear them going, sounds like a lot of little pigs trying to get out the same hole. <laughs> All squealing at the same time, but, you know... But if there's bagpipes in heaven, I'm sure they'll be on a particular planet. Um, oh, have I heard all the Scottish blood here? Okay. All right, guitars, bagpipes, whichever you want. Okay, so David was a worshipper. So with a harp, any stringed instrument for that matter, you must have it in tune. And see, the strings can be up too tight or they can be too loose. And see, we can be too tight, uptight, we can be too loose. But just to be in tune, harmony, instead of discord. So have you got your harp? Is your harp in tune or is it on the willow tree? Do you have your incense? Are you a prayer? What about your personal prayer life? 
Is there a song, a spontaneous praise in your heart? Are you a priest? Are you a king? Okay, here we have, and I'll put it in this order for the purpose of our session here, David of the tribe of Judah. He was a king. Kings are warriors. Priests are worshippers. Kings are involved in warfare. Priests are prayers and intercessors. So we have the harp from the tabernacle of David. Sing unto the Lord a new song. And two, incense from the tabernacle of Moses. Kings, we shall reign on the earth. And when John goes to see the lion of the tribe of Judah, who does he see? The lamb. The lamb belongs to the priest, sacrifice. The lion belongs to the king, king of the beasts. And when you bring these together, kings and priests, Though the office of king was separated in the tribe of Judah and the office of priest was separated in the tribe of Levi, they are brought together in the order of Melchizedek because we are called to be kings and priests under God. Can you say amen this morning? Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books and his ministry.